Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Death by Champagne, the podcast here to keep you up at night. Sorry if my voice sounds a little off. I am recovering from a cold, but wanted to get this intro out to you guys. This week is an occult episode, and we finish up our two-parter on government experiments. Mackenzie takes us on a wild ride into a faction of the CIA operative MKUltra, known as Midnight Climax. Get ready, listeners. You are in for a mind-blowing tinfoil hat style of treat. This episode contains foul language, some crazy conspiracies, experimentation on unwilling and unknowing participants, discussions of drugs, sex, and other R-rated recreational activities. We'll do our best to stay on track, but the bottles are popped. Okay. Hi. Hi. Welcome back to Death by Champagne. Where we're drinking red wine for Mackenzie's birthday. It's my birthday birthday recording. Yay! It will not be her birthday when no, you hear this. It'll be far past. <laughs> we're recording this on September 10th. Yes. Can we what forget the part where I'm 28? <laughs> yes, we don't have to talk about it. Is that Virgo? Yes, Virgo. Yes. Virgo season. Yes. Getting all the things done, being so productive. Very productive. At least trying to be. Well, this is part two of our occult episode. Um, I guess medical. Yeah, it government. started as medical experiments or like conspiracies, and yeah. we realized that the only way to talk about those is to include the government. Yes. So now it's about government experiments yes. and conspiracies. Yay. Um, and we're going to try not to touch the cord this time. For whatever reason, our last few episodes, I don't know what was being touched, but... Yeah, we were. <laughs> it made weird noises. All over the fucking place. <laughs> like, I think one of us was just holding it and rubbing it. Probably. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. While we're here... <coughs> 1907 on downloads. Oh, 
past 1900. You guys! We're almost to 2000. You guys are insane. We've only been doing this for... Oh, God, I don't even know now. Well, that was Since, episode 15 we released. Yeah, so. we released our first episodes like on July months. 6th. Yeah. From July 6th to September 10th. <laughs> so not even three months. Mm-hmm. That's two months. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. I hope we get to 2000 before this week's episode drops. That would be amazing. Yeah. I think we can do it. Do we have any other um, business? Olivia got me a present. We got each other presents yes. before we started this. My yes. present that I ordered for us like a month ago from China came in today. Yes. We got some keychain knives. <laughs> Come out of St. Louis. <laughs> Cut you. We got our pepper spray. The company that I bought the pepper spray from, like the brand, found the picture that I tagged on Instagram. What? And was like, good good choice in pepper spray. Thanks oh for buying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so cute. Apparently it's like a super feminist. Like all their oh. um, their Instagram is like statistics on cute. women using pepper spray. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I need new pepper spray because I'm pretty sure... I mean, I've had mine for like eight years, and I'm pretty sure it goes bad. Oh, I didn't know if it, it expired or not. I don't know. I just Someone know I didn't. Someone because I don't know either. I didn't have any. But I made that up in my head. I test it <laughs> periodically to make sure it still sprays, and it does, but where, I don't know what's in there. Like, Where do you test happening. it? Just like outside, like spraying <laughs> it, not in the wind. Oh my god. Watch out, South City. <laughs> just like... <laughs> Olivia's down. just spraying random pepper spray outside in her backyard. It could not even be working, though. It could be like... That's true. Water now. I don't know what pepper spray turns into. It's so funny, though. I just bought some, and I was talking to Miller about going to Disney World. Oh, my god. Okay, she's off... Why am I talking about this? She's off for her birthday, like the 11th, oh. October 11th through like the 16th. Oh, yeah. Because she's a nurse, so she can just yeah. walk her days off. And she was like, come down, we'll go to Disney. And I was like, I get back from Salem on the 9th. She was like, leave on the 11th. Done. <laughs> I might. <laughs> yes. The plane ticket is $136 round trip. So. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> right. What do I have? Do I have any occult-related things? I don't think so. I thought that the world was coming down upon my head when I was cleaning in here. <laughs> I was cleaning the podcast room and reorganizing the closet, and I shoved uh, an empty Trone storage box from Ikea into the top shelf, and like 20 minutes later, it fell down on my head, and I just immediately started punching the air and screaming. I was like, no! (laughs) And then I was like, oh, it fell. Oh, gosh. That's funny. It was good. Um, I decorated for Halloween this weekend. I wish I did that. I kept saying... That we had to have another box of Halloween decorations. And Chris was like, I'm pretty sure we just didn't put everything away last year. So, like, you've had stuff out all year You've long. just grown used to it. It's yeah, your home decor now. I know. I'm like, no, there's another box somewhere. But I just need more, clearly. I want to, but I feel like it's... I mean, inside would just be for me. But I can't... Like, I'm not going to oh, get yeah, trick-or-treaters. No, so. inside. No. We didn't... Well, actually, we did get some trick-or-treaters last year. Yeah, your we neighborhood could. a handful. Could. Yeah. I could stand outside my gate. <laughs> That's true. If I was a trick-or-treater, I wouldn't come inside my gate. <laughs> nope, I would not either. That's potential to be a really good scene, though. Yes. Could be scary. It's scary as fuck anyway when you come up at uh, night. Yeah, and that creepy little St. Mary Joseph Someone statue. Someone moved it. Someone oh, took the there. Mary statue. It's not there anymore. I don't know. I don't know where she went. She gone. She like stares at you <laughs> while you click the exit button, and she you does. have nowhere else to look except her soul. Right, because you have to make sure you don't step on her. Yeah, so, it's creepy. But she's gone. 
I don't know how I feel about that. If she reappears. I'll be real creeped out. <laughs> what if she, like, is outside your door one day? I'll lose it. <laughs> I will fucking lose it. The I mean, that can't, scary. like, the landlord just had to have taken it one day and been like, okay, someone left this. I can't imagine that someone actually, like, bought that and put it there. Like, you know some renter that lived here eight years ago left it and no one did anything some, about like, it. old lady who lived on the ground floor. Yeah. Who just wanted to see her little... I found out uh, another one of my neighbors has a dog. Ooh, good. <laughs> he's like a medium-sized fat guy. He looks like a... He's a short-haired dog. He has like a big blockhead. So cute. He doesn't look like a pit bull, though. But he's like... Uh-huh. He has the body of a pit bull. Okay. He's huge. Okay. Huge black dog. Cute. Real dopey looking. Oh. He looked at me when... the best. We were trying to get a moth out of the kitchen. <laughs> so we had the door open and me and Cash were both like, God damn it! Like swinging our arms around trying to get it out. And oh, the girl no. walked by with him and he was like, oh, stuck his head in my door. Oh. We were like, oh, come in. So sweet. <laughs> I haven't met any new pets. Oh, did I tell you about the puppy that was like running around the neighborhood no okay well i say puppy i say all little dogs are like puppies he was not a puppy he was like a chihuahua though oh so he was a little puppy but he um i've seen the lady who walks him it was like a weekend and chris and i were leaving and he was like running down our sidewalk and there were these two guys who just moved in like a couple doors down and they were like leaving too and they were kind of like what do we do? And the guy yelled at me. He's like, I know that old lady walks this dog. Have you seen her? Do you know where she lives? And I was <laughs> nope. like, no. It was like, she always comes from like this way, like from Louisiana. Yeah. It's like, so I, I always see her walk that way. I've never like actually seen her walk down our street though. And yeah. And then the dog like ran off and I tried to go get him and I would like get down and he would stop and look at me. And then like, as soon as I'd like creep forward, he would be off. And I was oh. like, mm-hmm. But I think he... I, then I saw the lady, like, two days later. And I was like, you found your dog! <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I heard that he, like, caused a ruckus in the neighborhood. <laughs> he got out of my gate. She's so like, I'm cute. so happy, though, that people cared. I was like, yeah, there were, like, four of us trying to figure <laughs> out like, where you live. Let me get that get address. Dog. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. funny. But he found his way home. I want all the Here's dogs that live in this adventure. building to have a play date in the backyard. Yes. Like, if everyone could do that for me, that, that would be, be awesome. The really tiny white one and the huge black one. Yeah. And the, like, Great Dane mix that lives downstairs. That dog would be, like, taller than my hip bones oh my when it God. stood up next to me. It's I don't know how I feel about huge. that. Huge. That freaks me out. Well, dogs that are that big usually are, like, slower moving and, like, not as yeah. hyperactive. But, like... That's true. Boxers or labs... They like, are. if they have a lot of energy and they're bigger yeah. and, like, jump, like, that makes me nervous. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to handle it because yeah. I'm not really, like, I, I'm a dog person and then I like all animals, but I, like, didn't grow up with dogs. So I'm like, I did, but not <laughs> big dogs. Yeah, I didn't have, our biggest dog right now is Layla and she's, like, 80 pounds. That's fine. But she's, like, the sweetest. Mm. Yeah. I mean, she will, like, hit you. Not <laughs> meaning to hurt you. She just wants pets, but. <laughs> She doesn't know she's 80 pounds. I feel that. Yeah. Oh, my God. That fat cat on BuzzFeed. <laughs> they were like, what's wrong with him? He wants pets while he eats. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, my Just God. To live my best life. If it's ever been me in an animal. Seriously. Feed me and rub the back of my head. <laughs> Simultaneously. I was really excited. I got these talons put on my fingernails today. And as I was sitting there and she was finishing my right hand, I just started going... <laughs> I was like, to yourself. Scratching my own scalp. <laughs> I was like, yo, it's the best. Oh, I never finished talking about presents. Oh. 
Did we, did we, how did we get off the subject? <laughs> yeah, it's Mackenzie's birthday. Since it's my birthday. And I came with gifts. Olivia surprised me. She got a really good bottle of wine. Woo. And I got a book by Clifford A. Pickover called Death and the Afterlife, A Chronological Journey, Cremation, Quantum Resurrection. Oh, from cremation to quantum resurrection. Yes. And it has a section on hell, the Egyptian book of the dead. It has a section on the history of abortion, martyrs, sky burials, plague doctor costumes, like the guy with the bird beak. Yes. Literally everything. You Funeral could processions. About death. Outer darkness, Viking ship burials, just like anything that you could ever want to know about death. It has it, and it has a ton of cool pictures, so... I'll post a bunch of those. And she got me a Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone t-shirt. Yay! Because if we haven't talked about it enough, the only thing we love more than true crime is Harry Potter. Obviously. As we drink from Harry Potter cups and have Harry Potter tattoos. And... <laughs> yes. yes. Always. Always Harry Potter. Okay. Should I start this? <clears throat> yes. I'm ready. Okay. I'm going to try to get through this. I'm going to preamble with... Holy shit, there's no way in fuck I could ever cover all of this, you guys. There is no <laughs> way. And as I was reading it, like, there's no way to differentiate my topic from the rest of the entire beast that is MK Ultra. So, reminder from last week, I'm talking about Operation Midnight Climax, which as soon as I found it, I was like, Michael Scott! <laughs> <laughs> I might have lied about oh Harry Potter. God. We might like The Office more than we like Harry Potter. It's true. We do like The Office. The Office is really good. I'm on season eight right now. Do you guys want mini-sodes about Harry Potter or The Office? Because Please we'll do that. Us. We will do that. The only thing I could talk about longer than murder is Dwight Schrute. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. <laughs> and <Creed>. Kelly. <laughs> Kelly. Great. Yes. Great's my favorite. He's the best. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to start... Before I talk about Operation Midnight Climax, we're going to give a little explanation of MKUltra as a whole. MKUltra was a mind control initiative constructed by the CIA. Agents conducted completely unregulated experiments on humans, and the intent was to identify and develop drugs and procedures that could be used in interrogations. This project was organized through the Office of Scientific Intelligence of the CIA and coordinated with the U.S. Army's Biological Warfare Laboratories. I'm already, like... <laughs> There are levels nope, and layers nope, and nope. people. It's a lot. The operation was officially sanctioned by the Director of Central Intelligence, Alan W. Duels, in 1953 and engaged in many illegal activities, including the use of U.S. and Canadian citizens. So, like, people are used in these experiments and trials and procedures with absolutely no knowledge on their part. Right. Like, totally unwilling, totally yes, unknowing. people were absolutely unwilling that participants. That would fuck you up even more than being a willing, not even willing, but a knowing participant. Yeah. Like, even if you were forced to take some drug and then yeah. be analyzed. Like, like you were told. you know You're that. locked in this room and we're going to give you a shitload of LSD. Yeah. So, this actually started as far back as 1943. On the record, it's 1953. Like, that's when the initiative launched. But, like, side mm -hmm. projects and smaller studies mm -hmm. were happening way far back. 1943, in September of 1977... More information than had ever been seen before was made public in the middle of 
World War II, the Office of Strategic Services, which the OSS is the predecessor of the CIA, that was like the pre-agency to the CIA, began highly classified experiments that tested liquid marijuana as truth serum. And they wanted to find something that would break down psychological defenses of Axis agents who were subjected to questioning. So the whole idea is they are, quote, testing drugs on people to see if they can find a way to break people mentally and make them tell their secrets, which... I love that idea in a dystopian <laughs> YA novel. <laughs> Knowing that they did all kinds of crazy shit to people to make that happen, absolutely fucked. It is insane. Yeah. So a lot of these people were, as we said, absolute, unwilling, unknowing subjects. So the legitimacy of this project is close to zero. <laughs> there was almost no tracking, at least in Operation Midnight Climax. There's like no real tracking of... Like, there were no control groups. They were really lax about what kind of notes they took. And what was the point? To literally fuck off and dose people with LSD for fun. That was the point. That no. became the point. It was so messed up. Mm-mm. So, MKUltra used numerous methods to manipulate people's mental states and alter their brain functions, including the surreptitious administration of drugs, namely LSD and other chemicals. Hypnosis, sensory deprivation, isolation, verbal and sexual abuse, and other forms of torture. And these methods were also used on children. We are not going to talk about any of that today because I cannot fit any more into this fucking story. Oh, God. But anytime that I start to, like, laugh about any part of this, because it does get to the point where you could... You just, like... It has a very, like, Mad Men-esque feel. Yeah. But instead of writing copy for an ad agency, they're watching people fuck and... A random hotel room on LSD and it's crazy. So in the midst of all of that, like the part where you can make it funny, I have to keep telling myself like these men had no idea what was happening and they were using the same tactics on children. It is horrifying and disgusting. Many of the human guinea pigs were mental patients, prisoners, drug addicts, and sex workers. People who could not fight back, as one agency officer put it. So that's a CIA agent saying, we picked people who would not be missed, who could not fend for themselves, and wouldn't stick up for themselves. In one case specifically, a mental patient in Kentucky was dosed with LSD continuously for 174 days. What? That um, bit is from the New York Times. There was an article written by Tim Werner, and I think that was the one. I can't remember if that was a revisitation of the article or the original one from 1977. But there were multiple people that they would study for days on it, like months. They would give them LSD, and one person died from... Every single day. Yeah, I think it was the person that had it for 174 days. He ended up dying because... Well, yeah. You lose all function as a human. I mean, unless someone's, like, feeding you and giving you drugs to put right, you to sleep yeah, at night. Yeah. You just die from like wear and exhaustion. That's like half a year. Yeah. Just on LSD continuously. No. So these studies and like different facets of MK Ultra happened in a lot of different places, colleges, universities, hospitals, prisons, pharmaceutical companies, and the CIA operated through these institutions using front organizations. And sometimes the officials at those institutions knew that the CIA was involved. So they knew like I'm working at this company as the CFO, but it's a front or it was a legitimate company and became a front that the CIA adopted to conduct these experiments and have access to people. And they would just let it happen. Because what do you do? If you start... I guess, yeah, you can't do any... I mean... And these are people that are affiliated with branches of the military. Like, the CIA was recruiting officers from, like, law enforcement, military, people that were already 
high-ranking respected people. Within their own government. Yes. So they were recruiting, yeah. and they would recruit some of them as, like, this guy that I'm going to talk about later is, like, a contract worker. Like, they hired him on as, like, an advisory specialist. So he wasn't even technically, like, deep into the CIA. Like, he right. was, but they were like, no, he's just, like, our side consultant guy. Like, he's good at narcotics, so we have him on the payroll for, like, his knowledge oh of drugs. Well, also, you can't say no, because what are they going to do to you if you say no? Exactly. And this operation did not stop in entirety until 1973. So this went on for roughly 30 years. Oh, my God. This brings us to George White. A lot of this information came to light in the 70s, and that appeared when a widow donated a collection of documents from her husband, George White. He passed away um, in 1975, and when he died, she was going through his stuff and found a bunch of papers, and they were all of his documentation, like diary entries and journaling about his job and his life. So they were a super rare and interesting find for anyone that likes espionage. Because he traveled, like, all over South America, Texas, California, and he worked for the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. So he busted drug rings. Whoa. So that was his, like, real job. Yeah. He was prominent in that department and spent all this time going all over the place learning about narcotics and, like, how these people operate. So he was a natural selection for... This guy, like, he just lived this complete double life of, like, during the day, I'm going to go drug bust all these people. And then at night, I'm literally going to dose unwilling, unknowing people with with those drugs. drugs. (laughs) It's insane. Oh, gosh. So, um, those documents were made available to the Kennedy subcommittee. They, um, she sent them to this random, like, two-year college in where they lived. I forget. What? I forget where he died. I don't know if he died in California or New York. I can't what? remember. But he, um, she just sent them to this. Oh, I knocked everything over. <laughs> sent them to this weird tiny college, and then, however long later, they were like, "Oh, does anyone else want to see these?" And they sent them to the New York Times, and they were like, "Uh, yeah, everyone wants to see these." So what the all, fuck? all of this shit comes out about how all like this is documented proof right. that all this shit's yeah. been going on for years. Yeah. Right? Like you know, it's over, but it had been going on because there was proof in those papers. They had already had a huge come to Jesus, and like CIA apologized through the media. Like, there's oh. we shouldn't have been doing this. This isn't like we know that this is wrong. The experiments didn't amount to anything, and we really fucked up. We're sorry. But Were this, you just, like, hoping that experiments would amount to something so people would be like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Oh, now yeah. Now we know this thing about this thing. And no, great. that's exactly what they were hoping for. They thought that if they could get one person to smoke weed, ingest it in a liquid form, or, like, take a psycho... Uh, what's what's the word? A psycho... Psychoactive drug? Psychotropic? Yeah. <laughs> one of, like, yeah. mushrooms or LSD or acid. Right. They thought if they could get someone to take something like that... And then they could prove that they manipulated them into talking about something they didn't want to talk about, that it was a success. How do you even prove that? Exactly. Also, high alcohol. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Just get someone real fucking drunk, depending on the person. They're also observing random people in bars a lot of the time who have extenuating circumstances, like they're lower class people, so they aren't... They don't have the same training that, like, another government official does. Yeah. But don't worry about that because they started dosing each other, too. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. So, these... didn't know anything in the 50s. 
It's fucked. This whole thing is just a joke. <laughs> like, to read it all now, it's like, oh my god, yeah, yeah. what a waste of money, first of all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so these papers provided documentary evidence that White met to discuss drugs and safe houses with CIA luminaries such as Sidney Gottlieb, head of the chemical division of the tech services division. That's too many divisions. <laughs> and the man who ran MK Ultra. So Sidney Gottlieb is known for his involvement in, I don't even know, like chemicals and yeah. seeing what that does to the body. His role is an enti- in his whole life is an entire other story. But he is absolutely central, and you can't really talk about George White without knowing who that is. And also Dr. Robert Lashbrook, who was a CIA chemist who worked with LSD. Other high-ranking CIA officials mentioned prominently include James Angleton, C.P. Cable, and Stanley Lovell. Sidney Gottlieb also urged Jules to approve LSD testing as a potential mind control tool or a brainwashing substance. So they agreed this needs to happen. We think that LSD has properties that could induce brainwashing. So we're going to test it out. And they picked White to be the man for the job. How? Well, they picked him. He was flagged and described by... The New York Times as the lieutenant colonel in the OSS, and he had a flamboyant career as a senior federal narcotics official. So this next part, I'll tell you exactly where it's highlighted that I've written. I have information from someone's personal blog here who claims to have done a shitload of research. And I mean, to me, it looks legitimate. There are links to all kinds of CIA PDFs that have been declassified and released to the public. And it seemed just like a whole lot of information that I did not have time to research because I just cannot tell you enough times how huge this is. Mackenzie has been researching for three weeks now. Seriously, three weeks, and I feel like I'm unprepared. And still finding new information as of today. Up till ten minutes before we turn this microphone on. Yeah. So this sentence right here, this potentially needs verified. I didn't find it anywhere else. White was allegedly sent to Camp X after becoming a colonel. So he rose to the rank of lieutenant colonel in the OSS, the predecessor of the CIA. And Camp X is the British intelligence super secret training camp of spies, saboteurs, and assassins. I don't know if this place exists. I lost track of time, ran out of time, couldn't Google any more fucking things. <laughs> if it does exist, I'm interested and I want to be an right. assassin. But. So I'm already trying to like plan a follow-up with all of the catch-all <laughs> information that needs to come from this. Yes. So among the crazy things documented was a recounting in May of 1943. White himself volunteered to smoke a cigarette laced with LSD. The result of the test he reported was to try to knock himself out. <laughs> There was speculation recorded about how to administer this liquid tea drug. It's called tea because I'm going to try to pronounce it. It's not testosterone. (laughs) It's not low tea. (laughs) They call it tea drug because it's called tetrahydrocannabinol acetate. Tetrahydrocannabinol cannabinol acetate. Sorry, Long as word. (laughs) I said it out loud like 10 times earlier. (laughs) Methods that they wanted to use to try to get people to ingest it included ordinary cigarettes, but also candy. Um, They tried to make a vapor version of it that was just carbon dioxide gas with that in it. And also apparently special facial tissues that could be like chloroform rag slapped over someone's face. 
So if you were in an interrogation room, someone could just walk up behind you. Mm. Or if they wanted... Because it wouldn't be to subdue you, so they would already have to have you in custody. Right. But they could just, like, hold it over your face and you would get loopy and start talking. <laughs> like laughing gas. Yeah. That's what they thought it was going to be like. <laughs> So, in August of 1943, a quantity of this tea extract was carried by George White on a train from Washington, where it was produced under elaborate secrecy in a lab, like in a controlled environment. They made it, or extracted it, whatever the fuck you do, and they took it to New York, and he, like, traveled with a whole team of people. So, this is the first, like, serious, on-the-books, I mean, not quotes, not on-the-books, but, like, they found out about it later, they went to the Belmont Plaza Hotel in New York and rented several rooms, and the drug was tested on seven commissioned and non-commissioned military officers. So they just, like, holed up in a room for the weekend and tried all these drugs together. I didn't find any information on, like, how that went for them. What? But this was, like, a government-funded research operative. This sounds like Boys Night Out. This sounds like a Jonah Hill movie. <laughs> Like, can't you just see? Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Have yeah. you seen what is the fucking movie that has the guys from Workaholics in it on Netflix? I don't think so. Oh, my I God. I can't them. remember the name of it. It's going to kill me. But it is hysterical. Okay. The guy that plays Kevin Shameless is in it, and he's, his character's gay, and it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like this. What the fuck? That movie is like... They're hotel employees, and they find out that there's a big conference in the hotel, and some, yeah, like, two foreign diplomats are coming, and everyone gets Ugh. in a fight, and there's a hostage situation, and it, it feels like that. <laughs> what the fuck? It is fucked up. So, in addition to that test, under the pseudonym Morgan Hall, if you ever see anything talking about Morgan Hall with the CIA, it's probably George White. Oh. Um, he rented an apartment at 81 Bedford Street in Greenwich Village, where the chemical was tested, like the chemical is LSD, is being tested on unsuspecting people that were lured to the apartment. So he would just like go find new friends and be like, do you want to come home and have a drink with me? And dose them with LSD and then like write in his little diary about what happened. <laughs> what? It's like the most rapey thing that has ever happened. <laughs> how? How? <laughs> how is this something the government was like, this is a good fucking idea. I mean, great you know, job. I will say. Let's continue. LSD trials? Absolutely. Well, right, but, like, that's Bri not the way to go about it. Right, bring the people to you and tell them they're going to do LSD. Yeah. Or just bring them to you and don't tell them, but, like, record it properly. Well, yeah, <laughs> This but... is just, like, a dickweed with a pen yeah, in the this bathroom. Yeah, just, like, like, some guy being like, hey, want to try what I got? <laughs> yeah. Come over here. Which he also, I don't know if I, like, formally wrote this out anywhere, he was suspected and, like, was said to have a history of drug use and drank really oh, heavily. Yeah. He died of cirrhosis he of the liver. had a great time with this yes. experimentation. So he spent all day in the narcotics division trying to bust drug rings. And, and then at night, problem. he's, like, out using LSD, dosing other people with it, getting people to smoke weed. Hysterical. And, and they're paying for all of it. <laughs> all of it. Oh, gosh. So... They, again, the White's papers, or George White's papers make no mention of if the subjects were aware of the nature of those tests at that time in New York, nor do they contain any indication that the chemical was ever used operationally in this country or overseas. So there is nothing, mm. as far as I could find on file, that says we decided to take LSD to another country and give it to people and test it out in a real-life situation. It wouldn't surprise me if that happened at oh, all. Yeah, that probably happened. Probably. 
I like sure. They're doing you, it to citizens in the United States. Yes, definitely doing it. To and like when not in this country. Um, there was an article from San Francisco Weekly. It's just FS Weekly, sfweekly.com. There's a huge, huge section in that big article about how they would like. He just had a great fucking time. He would like go down to the beach and just like I don't know if he had like tabs like papers what he yeah. had, but he would just yeah. like dose. Like he wouldn't even stick around. He would just dose people and leave. They're like, bye. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not like he was hanging out with these people all night. He would go into bars, walk along the beach. He would, like, stop people on the sidewalk and, like, real quick, just, like... Was LSD, like, a known thing prior to this? I think so. I don't think it was as prominent, obviously, right. as it is now. Yeah. But I have a section in here on, like... What the fuck? A bit about LSD itself. He just, like, decided he was, I don't know, the ice cream man, but with LSD. Right. Around town. Right. It's insane. Oh, man. So, one of his documents maintains that August Delgracio, who I was identified as a well-known New York hoodlum, they were acquainted from, other, it says, another context. So, they were basically off-plotting to kill people together and doing drugs together. Right, right. <laughs> or, if I, okay, I'm going to take myself back to that blog. I'll post the name of it so you guys can make your own decisions on the legitimacy of the information. So sorry if this yeah. is fucking crazy and wrong no, and very tinfoil hat. <laughs> but that guy has a whole section, like a big paragraph on the mob in New York. Oh. Um, and the involvement of the CIA and the mob and how they were all working together to coordinate an international drug ring. You would have to. Yes. The CIA doesn't have that kind of in. Exactly. Yeah, they're in with the mob. Yeah. And they were they like, their in. when I say international, I mean like the countries listed. I can't remember and I don't want to be wrong, but it was like eight countries that they were trying to coordinate. Like, okay, this is how we're going to get this done. Insanity. So allegedly he was in with all of those people, like the organized crime families, because the CIA was dealing with them anyway. Good thing I have tape over my webcam. We're getting <laughs> tapped right now, for sure. Definitely. Oh, so fuck, I don't have tape over my <laughs> I can see me. This guy, Del Gracio, um, was used as an unwitting guinea pig in the 1943 experiments. And he was an associate associate of Lucky Luciano. So, like, that's a huge crime family. Um, and then, again, yeah. I have a highlighted section directly from that person's blog that I'll tell you the name of at some point. <laughs> um, George White was known to have contacted Lucky Luciano, Don Calagero, and Lucky Rizzuto. No indications why in his recovered papers, but it was said to have been about international drug trafficking and smuggling. Charles Lucky Luciano had been deported to Sicily just a couple of years earlier and was part of another show of the American public that, like, the FNB, the Narcotics Bureau, was doing something. So I think that they were also using the mob family, like, all of those people who had ties to other countries to be like, we're going to deport you, quote-unquote, and, like, send you away for a while and give off the impression that the Narcotics Bureau was doing a bunch of shit because uh, they wanted to have a good reputation. Got it. Like, you know, okay. they want to show that yes. they see a problem with crime and drugs and they're knocking it out. Yes. When really they're doing nothing and they're colluding with them behind closed doors. How? This is so good. I am on page four of nine. <laughs> How did any of this happen, though, in real life? I don't know, because everyone at the CIA okayed it. <laughs> everyone in the CIA is, what's the word? Not 
I don't know what word I'm looking for. Um, like when you're working for the wrong side, but you're pretending not to. Um, you know, like a you double agent. <laughs> sure, everyone in the CIA is a double agent. <laughs> <laughs> so they were ready to take all their experiments with drugs, most importantly LSD, to a new level. So under the code Operation Midnight Climax. CIA operatives acted as drug suppliers, infiltrating different drug-using groups with political points of view deemed to be of interest, and relayed that info to CIA headquarters. Quote from the Alliance of Human Research Protection, Operation Midnight Climax was a freewheeling illicit criminal operation. Yep. So in 1955, George White moved to his safe house in San Francisco. He had a safe house? Well, they call them the safe houses. It was like the apartment in the hotel rooms that they used in New York. Uh, it was the safe house for them to like conduct research. Got it. So got it, it was a government-funded brothel. Yes. <laughs> Better word for it. Yes. Government-funded so brothel. He also took over as the regional head of the Bureau of Narcotics. So he's fucking untouchable at this point. He's the head of everything in that area. So no one would ever suspect him to be involved in this. So at 225 Chestnut Street on Telegraph Hill... White rented a house under his alias, Morgan Hall. The duplex was also used by the Bureau to lure narcotics dealers and then arrest them. So they were, like, busting up heroin rings and making people think that, like, all the shady activity that came from that house was because of that. Oh. So really... Was, like, just a drug house that they kept yes. continually busting. Yes. They were like, okay, so this is, like, a sh they, you know, it looks like someone else owns it. And right. the cops are always there because they have to arrest all these people and there's fights and stuff. But really, they live there. And they're just luring them there and carting them out one by one to arrest them. And there are accounts of people that live by the house being like, I knew shady shit went down there. But, like, you never had any idea that it was that. My mind is literally exploding right now. I... Wish you could have seen my face <laughs> when the waiter brought me my third mimosa today as I was still writing this fucking story. Like, my mouth was Wait, open and I was, like, rubbing my eyebrow and he was like, are you writing a paper? And I was like, essentially. And then he, like, walked back again and I was looking up a Rolling Stone article about female killers. And he was like, what are you reading? And I was like, go away from my table, please. <laughs> no, but, like, wh what? Yeah. What? It gets better. Well, okay, and it's like next level shit to not only be doing this and just trying to keep it undercover, but then to be like openly letting it be known, but then pretending like you're catching the bad guys, you aren't the bad guys. Right. Like what? Well, in that part, I'm going to read a little bit more and then cut back to why that is even more astounding. So George White was in charge of setting the house up for business as usual, which... For them was, as I said, a government-funded brothel. They contracted several sex workers onto the CIA's payroll, and they used the house to bring their clients back to. These sex workers were paid around $100 a day, and they were promised prote protection from the harassment of local cops. So they have the feds on their side. So they're in with the feds. Local cops can't touch them. So they're getting paid $100 a day, plus whatever money they're getting from John's to be brought back to this duplex where there are a couple bedrooms and, like, common areas. I mean, that is a cush job for a sex worker. Right. Right. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> I mean, other than the part where they were probably also being dosed with LSD. Uh, okay. But I think some other of them <laughs> might have been in on it because in addition to testing if the CIA could use drugs to manipulate people's minds or brainwash them, they were also apparently testing these sex workers 
to see if under these conditions they could hire these women as legitimate spies. To just fuck people yes. until they tell them their yes. secrets. Like, can we arm these women with weapons and drugs, schedule them with foreign diplomats, and get people to tell us their secrets? Which is every great action movie ever. I was going to say, like, Red Sparrow, <laughs> but, like, they didn't use drugs. They just, like, were trained Or to I'm thinking, like, Mr. and Mrs. No, Smith, but, I mean, yeah. but, like, sexy yeah. time. I mean, there's, like, a lot of sexy time in that movie, but... Yeah. Just, yeah. like, more listen with the enemy. The real oh enemy, not gosh. your husband. <laughs> so, like I said, they were getting a shitload of money out of this. For yeah. the times, like, $100 a day. That's a lot. In For 1955. like like, $1,000 a day at least. That's insane. At least. And they were getting paid by the federal government. So, George White was also in charge of decorating this house. No. It looked normal on the outside. The inside. Pictures of French can-can dancers and flowers were all over the walls. And he draped thick red curtains over all the windows in the bedrooms. He framed a series of Toulouse-Lautrec posters with black silk mats. One person said he wanted the spot to have that French whorehouse look. (laughs) Definitely. Mixed in with the other art were images of women in bondage and S&M scenarios. What? To complete the setup, he installed two-way mirrors among the art for agents to sit behind and watch. Another narcotics agent said this was supposed to look rich, but it was furnished like crap. (laughs) (laughs) And that quote comes from an agent who talked to author John Marks. He wrote The Search for the Manchurian Candidate, the CIA and Mind Control, which... Full fucking disclosure, I did not read because I didn't feel like I needed to to give no. you an hour's worth of information. No. But I plan on reading it after the fact and we'll get there. Okay, the, I'm stuck on the two-way mirror. Yeah, let's talk stuff. about it for a minute. What? So literally, what's happening is that there are bedrooms in this house all decked out like with red, red velvet and black, and black silk and, and art on the walls. Vagina flowers everywhere. Yes, there are tons of, what is her name? Georgia O'Keeffe yes. style flowers <laughs> everywhere. Everything is a pussy. Yes. Everything is a pussy. Everything is a pussy. And there are can-can dancers all over the walls. And then, like, photographs of women being tied up. Okay. So the Johns get brought back, and they're like, holy shit, yes. Right. Little do they know. They're like, oh, do you want a drink? And then all of a sudden, they're rolling balls on LSD. And they said a lot of the times, like, the men would talk about stuff, but they were more likely to talk about stuff after they had sex anyway, if they had been dosed or not. So it was hard to get them to open up, even on LSD before they had sex, or, like, whatever service they they wanted. Mm -hmm. Then they would talk, which, like, duh. And then these CIA, (laughs) FBI agents would just, like, chill and watch? Yes. Okay. White hired a Berkeley engineering student to install bugging equipment along with the two-way mirrors. There were cameras disguised as outlets and a portable toilet used as George White's personal throne to oversee it all. So he just has like a fucking porta potty sitting behind this goddamn two-way mirror. I don't know if he ever used the porta potty, but that's what he was sitting on he as he's to go to the restroom watching didn't. people fuck on LSD. He was doing some other shit in that porta potty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Positive. That's disgusting. Are you ready for this? No. CIA agents were free to lounge, martinis in hand, and watch unsuspecting Johns be dosed with LSD. The pad quickly became something akin to a frat house for spies. Eight martini lunches were enjoyed regularly, White noted in his journal. Eight? (laughs) Eight martinis! How can you document anything when you've 
had eight martinis. The CIA is paying for everything. I don't believe anything you say after you've had eight martinis. If I have eight martinis, call 911. <laughs> call 911. And like an IV bag and someone needs to be like pumping my stomach out. I think I had four martinis once over the course of like. No, I've never had a full martini. I don't like them. But if I had probably two. When I was in New York, I definitely had two in a row back to back. And then I like went to a show or something and then had like two more. No. Eight. Eight martini lunches. This is the middle right, of the this fucking is a day. Lunch. This is a lunch. So they're blind fucking drunk. Also taking LSD. Watching people oh, fuck. Like nothing is getting accomplished. Documenting. Nothing is getting happened. accomplished. Also, I'm just gonna say I'm not qualified to speak on this, but John Marks, I read in another article about his book that he truly believed that Sidney Gottlieb, the guy that oversaw all of MK Ultra, okay. yeah. was truly operating under like I want like he was a good American and like wanted to see if this could be done for the sake of our country. He was like, I truly believe that he was just like a misguided. He just like hired all the wrong people. I guess so. <laughs> I guess. He was like the manager up here and all of his employees were just like yeah. garbage. But like he was doing like, all the drugs that they were supposed to be administering to people. Right. <laughs> so he was like, I truly think that he like didn't see the faults in what was happening uh, other than after this all came out. And he was like, well, shit. Sorry, guys. So there were a variety of victims brought to the house, ranging from, quote, lower class people who wouldn't be missed or believed if something went wrong, to high profile businessmen who were sometimes then blackmailed with recordings of their sexual encounters and drug use. So they would get other high ups to do it or like other businessmen that they knew and then say, this is happening and you're part of it. Deal with it. (laughs) That's fucked. Yeah. So um, this next part is read directly from sfweekly.com. How test subjects were chosen by the agents varied. In the case of the Telegraph Hill safe house, working girls would pick up Johns in the North Beach bars and restaurants and then bring them back for experimentation and observation. Other times, White and his wife would host dinner parties where guests might be dosed with a hallucinogenic cocktail without their knowledge. Seemingly random San Franciscans were victimized for no reason other than their paths crossed with White and his men at the wrong time. White wrote in his diary about how he slipped acid to unsuspecting civilians at beaches and in city bars and restaurants. And then from an internal CIA memo, the effectiveness of the substances on individuals at all social levels, high and low, Native Americans and foreign is of great significance, and testing has been performed on a variety of individuals within these categories, wrote CIA Inspector General Lyman Kirkpatrick in 1963. Excuse? Yeah. What? Yeah. So they are literally throwing LSD in the air, making it rain on every person they come in contact with. (laughs) It's like for fun. And there's no way he what ever... I mean, he form, had to have taken good were notes. Were they just, like, in, like liquid form, putting it in people's drinks? I don't like know. Well, because I think... Pretending it was, like, a blunt or something? Like, telling people it was something that it wasn't? I don't even or really coke. know. People did coke all the time back then, right? Yeah. Like it was candy. Well, I don't know if they did in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess that was more. Let's look it up really quick. 70s, 80s. Quick break. Well, this looks like a really reputable website. <laughs> It is highlighter yellow, the whole thing. Okay, so it comes in tab form, paper, liquid form, in a vial, gel tabs, and micro dot form. Micro dot looks like a piece of candy. It's, like, way smaller than a penny. Oh. 
So I guess in any of these forms, I'm assuming that they had liquid at that point. Yeah, right. Like, that's the easiest way to slip Yeah, I would say that they had, like, little tabs or pills. So there's nothing they could have been pretending was, like, something else, really. I mean, unless you're talking to someone real stupid. Yeah, I don't know. I don't... like, hi, look at this gel form of weed. (laughs) Yeah. That I just found. Want to do some? They had the active tea drug of pot, so... Mm, True. Who knows? Jesus. So this, a note on LSD, I apologize, I did not write my source down, I'll find it and talk about it. Not talk about it. Corrections Corner or something. (laughs) If someone calls us out on it, we'll talk about it. Right. Um, (laughs) Well, I just copy pasted this, so I should say it, but I have no idea where it came from and I have 35 tabs open. It's fine. (laughs) So a notable aspect of LSD's history is the contrast in the way a single drug has been used and perceived by different groups. Just as one segment of the American population was starting to experiment with the drug they believed could produce peace and spiritual awakening, their government was using the same drug to try to brainwash people into compliance. The hippies hippies of the 60s found unity and joy, and the CIA created paranoia and fear. And both had inadvertently discovered what acid guru Timothy Leary would come to call set and setting. Set is your mindset. And setting is the physical environment that you're in. So if you're in a really good mood and you've like eaten the right balance of things that day, like whatever's happening with you, your body internally and your mood, that contrasting with where you're taking the drugs can set you up for an entirely different experience. So like this phenomenon is the like the explanation of the same reason that you could have the same amount of martinis in one sitting and be like really happy and fine. And another time you'll have the same amount of drinks of the same alcohol and you'll end up like upset and crying. Oh, that's interesting. So like drinking patterns can lead to anger and aggression or like perpetual like, you know, there's like a magic number of. I don't know what the study is, but, like, two or three drinks in a person does make them, like, more relaxed, more comfortable. Oh, yeah. More creative, yes. more talkative, and, like, yes. and like not more intelligent, but, like, you can express yourself no, better. right. Yeah. And then yeah. you cross over into, like, drink four and five, and you turn into a fucking idiot. Yes. <laughs> Which or is... you just, like, fall asleep on the floor. <laughs> right. That's where I get to. <laughs> <laughs> We've certainly made it to a four and a five in this recording room. <laughs> Oh, God. So, drugs like alcohol, cocaine, and heroin generally tend to produce at least somewhat consistent effects in multiple settings. Psychedelics like LSD are much more sensitive to context. Being dosed without your knowledge in a fearful setting is very different from dropping acid deliberately in a calm place. Uh, yeah. As we know now, you should not do acid, A, with people you don't know. Yeah. And B... Like, somewhere you're not familiar with. Or yeah. at least, like, somewhere you don't feel safe. Like, I can't imagine. No. Like, Jeez, we didn't know anything in the 40s. None. Nothing. We didn't know anything. That's scary. That's so scary. So, thousands of ordinary Americans were subjected, most often without their knowledge or consent, to heavy doses of LSD and other highly potent illegal hallucinatory drugs. No. Fucked. Highly legal or le- illegal? What did you say? Highly potent illegal. Highly potent illegal. Sorry if that's not what I said beforehand. (laughs) Don't remember. I feel like this candle is so strong I can taste it. I can literally taste it. (laughs) (laughs) Bath and Body Works flannel. Where is it? Oh, flannel. flannel. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, they had, um... Oh, fuck. We should look at that. 
Is there a sale? <laughs> I just got like one so crazy eye. Candles for ten ninety five. Oh, I'll take a ten ninety five and like candle. ten off thirty or something like that. Mm-hmm. I know. Like I'll buy ten dollars worth. Well, twenty dollars worth of select candles. Do not fuck with me when there's a candle sale. <laughs> I think that's happening today. I feel like I read that today. Yeah, the last time I got these Bath and Body candles, I got three of them for. $22. Yes. I got two for free. That's what I should have done. <laughs> I didn't. I bought like six. And then I bought like four hand soaps, <laughs> which I didn't need. Oh my God. <laughs> Speaking of hand soap, I just used Bath and Body oh, hand yeah. soap to clean a red wine stain out of a white rug. And it was miraculous, you guys. It's fucking work. Like immediately. Literally, she just threw on a bunch of that out. Oh my God, it's gone. Right. It's just wet. She literally threw on a bunch of soap and then just like put a towel on top of it and then we pulled the towel away and it was gone. Magic. Off like a cream rug. I'm going to start a Mormon mommy blog. (laughs) (laughs) I lack a lot of the qualifications and the standards. Okay. So this has a really like anticlimactic ending. That's okay. They just stopped doing it after they got shut down. Wait, but how'd they get shut down? Um, someone who actually gave a fuck that was the head of the CIA. I feel like what was happening is, like, the head of the CIA is up here on level 10, and George White was about a six, and then level eight was, like, where all of the big corruption was happening. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if someone new came in and fucked it all up for him, or if someone big time finally was like, what the fuck are you doing? Right, like, kind of read this paper that's been sitting on their desk for, like, years, Mm -hmm. and they haven't, like, actually delved into it, and it was like, oh, wait, we approved this? Shit. What the (laughs) fuck? (laughs) So. Should check in on that. He retired in 1966 after 14 years with the CIA, and he wrote a farewell letter that was startling to Sidney Gottlieb, in which he reminisced about his time working for Midnight Climax. I was a very minor missionary, actually a heretic, but I toiled wholeheartedly in the vineyards because it was fun, fun, fun. Where else could a red-blooded American boy lie, kill, cheat, steal, rape, and pillage with the sanction and blessing of the All-Highest? Wait. (laughs) Wait. Who wrote this? George White. George White wrote that in a letter to the head of MKUltra, like the guy that ran it all. He was like, thanks for letting me be part of that. I got my rocks off a lot and I got to do a lot of drugs. I'm a psychopath and you made the perfect playground for me and paid for it. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. That's essentially what he said. (laughs) Essentially. Okay. And also that comes from uh, Michael Kreka. Kreka? Michael K-R-E-C-A, and that is how the government created the drug problem. And I made a side note that Michael Krieger was shot by a San Diego policeman after he wrote this, but I didn't go any more into it. Okay. So maybe we won't talk about it and I'll do an update. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> yeah, because I need to know why that guy got shot by a policeman after he spilled all this fucking shit. Mm-hmm. So shortly before Gottlieb retired, uh, he concluded in 1972 that the experiments were useless. But right after that, (laughs) the CIA awarded him the Distinguished Intelligence Medal and deliberately destroyed most of the MKUltra records in 1973. Mm. So a lot, like a shitload of these records were just destroyed upon like them finding it all out. And like the general public knew, hey, we dosed you guys with LSD. We're really sorry. They destroyed Oh, nine, right, like they destroyed nine. This is what the, what we. This is what we know. Right, what you just talked about is what we know. We know that they molested children and manipulated right. children with sex and violence. 
<sighs> so how much worse how can bad it get? did it get? Yeah, yeah. So no, um, no. Yeah, most of the records detailing these top secret programs were destroyed, but bureaucratic bumbling spared a cache of twenty thousand documents from the shredder. And in nineteen seventy seven, that guy Marks, the author of the Search for the Manchurian Candidate, filed a Freedom of Information Act and got him like a lot of the redacted versions of those documents. So everyone needs to read his book. Uh, yeah. And just be prepared to go down this fucking rabbit hole. The biggest rabbit hole. So, um, I think this quote is from a a section of medium.com called War is Boring. And it says, at least Operation Midnight Climax was a failure and an embarrassment for the CIA. It provided inconclusive, unscientific results with scant actionable intelligence applications. It besmirched the reputation of the CIA, both in terms of ethics and practicality, and negatively affected the lives of hundreds of people. <laughs> what the fuck? Probably more than hundreds. Oh, absolutely more than hundreds. Thousands. Absolutely. So, this is like a side note that does not matter, but there were tons and tons of papers of personal like journaling and documents within all of those papers that his wife turned over. These papers were not all exclusively about CIA operations. There were also entries from his personal life. He wrote, when his pet bird died, it hurt. <laughs> Quotes, poor little bastard just couldn't make it. An entry from 1952 said, tried hard. I don't know if I'll ever get another bird or a pet. It's so tough when they die. This is like making me embarrassed. <laughs> I didn't write it. The same man who was actively dosing people with LSD and fucking with them was also was sad when his bird died. Bird dying. (laughs) So I have some stories of people being dosed. Yeah. Um. One is the story of Wayne Ritchie, and this article was written by Troy Hooper from the SF Weekly, and it was published in 2012. And it was all about how he's the. He's he, like this guy was the oldest living survivor of MK Ultra. Whoa! So he may have passed on at this point. I don't know because he was in his eighties in two thousand twelve. Oh yeah. But he was drinking with several other federal officers at a holiday party in nineteen fifty seven at a post office building, and he was dosed. So he's drinking with like his coworkers, and he's dosed. Someone there dosed him. Yes. He recalled the Christmas lights in the room spiraling, and he had to leave to try to calm himself down. So he's just looking around, and he said he felt like all the lights were spinning, and he couldn't focus on faces anymore. And he starts hallucinating and was like, what the fuck? So he goes to his office to try to chill out, but being alone made him freak out more. And he was like, holy fuck, I can't deal with what's happening. That's what happened. And he sank into this, like, deep crazy paranoia and he was already drunk so you start just kept drinking yeah, more yeah because it's an upper and it makes you don't know yeah you yeah know, like makes you that you're drunk i mean you yeah. can't tell when you've had your limit that's yeah for sure so he goes home to his girlfriend to be like okay i gotta get to a familiar place with someone i know his girlfriend decides to fight with him that night on how she doesn't like living um, in san francisco and she wants to go back to new york hold so, it together it's christmas time <laughs> <laughs> so i mean i don't know if it was like her fault or not but it was really funny that he was like god damn it right of all nights <laughs> so he left and was like i can't deal with this i'm just gonna have to go outside again so he goes back to his office and he is just i mean this whole time he's been like stopping at bars in between and drinking more so he is fucked up like he is out of his mind on lsd and so drunk he goes back to his office and gets his two guns no and decides that he 
is like he thought also that they were trying to get him to quit his job. Mm. Like in his drug-induced paranoia and well, rage. Right. Yeah. He's like, why would they do this to me? Like, what's happening to me? Someone made this happen to me, so they must not want me to work there anymore. And, you know, it's one thing if you think that, like, your boss at your day job at the bank doesn't want you to work there anymore, right. but when you work at the CIA, it's like, is someone trying to fucking kill me? Right, like, something you've picked as your career and you've worked very hard to get yeah. to. Yeah, like. and, like, those people could kill you. Yeah. So it's like, what am I part of? So he took the guns and his intent was to rob a bar to get a bunch of money so he could like send his girlfriend back and then like just turn himself in and be like, okay, my life's fucked, but like I can do this one final thing for her and then like be done. I can just like go to prison and deal with this. How much money? Dude, robbing a bar. Right. Well, he like pulled up to the bar with two guns and he was like, give me your money. And he was so fucked up that it was probably like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> he was the, the peanuts teacher. He was probably holding like, wah, wah, water wah, wah, wah. or something. <laughs> right. We had his gun and he was like, give me your fucking money. And like someone in the bar was like, what the fuck are you doing? Sit down. And then the cops came and they were like, oh, this guy has his like CIA credentials on him. What the fuck? So he manages to escape jail time but he has to resign he can't work there anymore That's it like ruined so his whole awful. life and it made him like i mean like he had to deal with the trauma from that forever that's really horrifying and yeah someone you knew i mean he knew did that to him yeah and he like he knew george white personally so it's very possible that he did that to him he described him as a hardhead whose employees never did a thing without his approval Whoa. And in 2012, he was in his mid-80s and living in San Jose. Um, mm, and the other very well-known person that comes to mind in all of this is Frank Olson. I don't think a lot of people probably know his name, but he was killed in 1953, but his family wouldn't know the secret cause of his death for 22 years. He was the man that fell from the 13th floor of a hotel in New York and they said that he committed suicide from stress with his job at the army. But it was found out later that he was working with the CIA. This is the same thing as George White, how they have, like, he's in the army. No one knows he's right. working with the CIA. Right. So just like George White, no one knew what this guy was up to. And he was the casualty of a security risk test. They were working on anthrax aerosols. Like, that's what he was working on. Like, that was his project. I assume anthrax aerosol means anthrax that you can spray and kill people. So they decided to drug him with LSD and see if they could get him to talk about it to them because they weren't like he wasn't supposed to, which like, yeah, you test people, but they gave him a shitload of LSD. And after it, he got really confused and started like trying to get help. Like, and his treatments included hypnosis and alcohol because he couldn't deal with what happened to him that night. And he was found dead days later. Also, according to the Washington Post, a scrap of paper was found in his pocket with the initials GW and the address of George White's New York safe house. I never knew that. George White's fucking address was in his pocket when they found his body after he flew out of a 13th floor window. That's what that Netflix documentary is about, right? Uh, I think there is a documentary and then there's Wormwood, the show. Oh, is that a TV show? There's a show that I think tells this story, but it's like a fictional, Uh, like, quotes fictional, but also it's real information, I think. And his family just thought he killed himself just because for, like, years. Stress. 22 years. really, he... Yeah. I mean, did he I mean, kill himself or he did might have throw him out the window? He might have. I mean, there's speculation as to both, I think, but... 
if he did kill himself, it has to be known because that of right. He all of a sudden was being hypnotized and was drunk all the time and on LSD, and he didn't understand why it was happening to him. Why the fuck would anyone be like, this is a good idea? And hi, CIA, why did you not hire any kind of psychologist or psychiatrist to be like, this is what might happen if you give someone a high dose of any kind of drug and they don't have any fucking clue that you're doing that to them? Mm-hmm. Here are some possible scenarios. Mm-hmm. So maybe, how about we go about it differently? Oh, it's fucked. It's the most fun. Like, were there any kind of, like, literal doc, like, psychology doctor type people? Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't... Like, um, on board, like, knowing that this was happening. Oh, yeah, right here. Um, uh, one of my mini tabs pulled up. Dr. Colin Ross, a psychiatrist who examined extant CIA documents, found a memo indicating another purpose. So this is under, like, investigation after the fact, but mm. I'm positive that there were doctors and people in right. on this. right. I mean, there had to be. Yeah. I mean, if they're pulling government officials that you supposedly trust, they have everyone. It's all fucked. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't include a whole lot about the ending. Someone basically came along and was like, you can't fucking do this anymore. Well, good. I'll try to find Also, it. like, okay, so was it just LSD or were they, I mean, um, LSD and marijuana? Everyone, like all the articles I read talked about LSD and marijuana, but it absolutely would not surprise me if they were doing way more than that. Because that could, like, they could be blamed for drug addiction. Yeah. Like, if they were introducing, like, heroin. Yeah. I mean, like, what year was Reagan in office? Um. Wasn't Reagan the big... Fucking cut this. (laughs) Wasn't Reagan, like, the war on drugs? Well, yeah. So, hi, you did it. Yeah. You (laughs) You did it. it. You created the problem. I, like, can't fathom that that many people were, like, signed off on it and were like, this is a good idea, and then kept their mouths shut for 30-something years. No one was like, actually, (laughs) having second thoughts. Okay, the end of this War is Boring article says that Richie White... The first guy that I talked about that was dosed at the party tried to sue the government, but was unable to prove that the CIA dosed him. So he got nothing out of that. And uh, the CIA shut down MKUltra in the late 1960s after John Vance of the CIA's Inspector General's office discovered the experiments. So, like, what happened was the really, really high ups didn't know that this was happening. Right. Two related programs, MK Search and Project Often, continued until 1972 and 1973, respectively. And, like, I'm talking about MKUltra in a facet of that that right. is Operation Midnight Climax. Yeah. There are, there was, like, MK Naomi, MK Search, Project Often. Like, there are, there are other MK Ultras, and each of those has their own list of, like, agendas, operatives, research things. <laughs> Olivia's gesturing wildly <laughs> around her head. <laughs> I just have no words. I can't. It's fucked. It's really fucked. This is probably why we have background checks now. Yeah. But do they in government? They should. I feel like it's all the same. Honestly. Am I a tinfoil hat person yet? Because I feel like it has not changed <laughs> one bit. Like there's something going on right now that we'll find Ooh. out about in 40 Ooh. years that we had no idea was happening. With Trump in office? Oh my God. Oh God. There are so many things going on right now. What the fuck? That's how I'll finish this off. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So that's the story of George White and Operation Midnight Climax. Not to be confused with... The Michael Scott original film, Threat Level Midnight. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's a lot. 
It was a lot. My brain, I'm going to be thinking about this for months. So like, I learned a lot. Yeah. But I mean, I'm like, overwhelmed. Yeah, it's as much as I could talk about without <laughs> fucking right. it up royally. So I'm very overwhelmed right now. I'll try to do more and keep you updated on social media. Hit us on Patreon. We'll yeah, we'll definitely do, we do an extra episode. Do some more research on this. Yeah, of all those other MK whatever. Mm-hmm. Tell you more about those if you guys yes, pay us we five dollars. We only need one more patron. It's just five dollars, and then we will record an extra episode and we lied we already put an extra episode up because we couldn't yeah, wait so if yeah. you decide to be a five dollar patron there's already an episode up waiting for you go check it out what you guys <laughs> don't know is that olivia usually gets here at like 6 30 to record mm-hmm. and we don't start until almost eight because we drank an entire half bottle of something Oops. and bitch and bitch for a long time <laughs> before we start talking about <laughs> crime and spooky shit. Oh my gosh, I literally can't. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with this information. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you, okay, here, I'm going to remember, here we go. Oh yeah, That blog, it's a WordPress blog called the McLaughery or the McLaughery's blog. And this article from February 27th, 2016, the MK Ultra sub projects of George White, including one unknown until now. And it is like they have legitimate links to all of the declassified documents that you can view. And it's all about MK Ultra, all of the shit that he dealt with with espionage, like his trainings. It's insane. Unless it's all not true, then I'm very sorry, but... It's true. I believe it. It talks about Project Bluebird and Project Artichoke, and we know that those are true, so... Yeah, yeah. so we're going to have a ton of cool images to post from this. Uh, yes. That's fine. all I have on Operation Climax Midnight, Midnight Climax. That was good. As you guys know, this is part two of our government, whatever we're calling it, experiments. Yeah, government experiments. This was going to be... Like a three-hour episode if we didn't separate it out. So we made it into two parts. We split it up. Yeah. But next week... We already picked a topic, and we're so excited to bring you guys basically our version of Snapped. Don't sue us for saying Snapped. True crime. (laughs) Which is going crazy. (laughs) We're doing women that kill their partners. Or, I mean, we haven't picked our people yet, so maybe women that kill their husband's mistresses or something like that. Yeah. Just like general women who have yes killed someone close to them. Yes. Intimately. So we're doing this episode because, respectively, me and Olivia are great friends. Our best friends, Sarah and Brittany, are getting married. Well, Sarah got married last weekend. Oh, yeah. So in honor of Sarah getting married and Brittany getting married in November, we're doing Women That Snapped. (laughs) Woo! Excited. (laughs) I hope they enjoy it. (laughs) I almost ended my maid of honor speech with like, have you seen it on Pinterest before? It's like, okay, like, I'm so like you finish with whatever nice thing you say, like, and I'm so glad that so-and-so found you to spend their life with. And then you ask the bride and groom to look at each other. Like, for instance, like Olivia and Chris now look at each other. And I want you to know that you're staring into the eyes of the person that is statistically likely to kill you. Okay, that's hilarious. But I, I would enjoy that. I know. Well, I knew Sarah would, but I didn't think anyone else would oh, appreciate yeah. it. People would have looked at you like, what the fuck is wrong with Like, her? you could say that at my wedding and my parents would be like, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you weird little shit. Oh my gosh. Thanks for listening. We're here to keep you up at night. See you next week. Bye, bitches. Bye. <laughs>
Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Death by Champagne on your podcast app and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Dead from Champs to keep up to date on deadly and spooky things happening in the world. Email us your hometown haunts, spooky stories, and favorite crimes at deathbyshamps at gmail.com and be featured as a story on the podcast. If you really want to show us love, go check out our Patreon and donate to help us keep this thing going. This has been an episode of Death by Champagne, the deadly podcast here to keep you up at night. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.